three, two, one, and we're live. Episode 58. 58? You always ask. Look before you say. I'm going to go with 58. If it's not 58, you'll know because it'll there'll be a different number on your screen, but I'm pretty sure it's 58. Um, welcome back to the show. I'm here with Alex, who's all bundled up. It's not even cold. It's warm outside. Well, it's like zero Celsius. It's cold in your heart. Yeah, we just got back from a run, so I'm chilled. Mm. Do you need another blankie? No, one blankie is fine. Do you need a little space heater? If there is one, sure. But we don't have one. Yeah. I would have to go get one. You know what I've been doing lately? Hmm. Well, you already know, but I'm asking the audience. You know what I've been doing lately? Tell us, Alex. I was waiting for them to say what. They're like, what, Alex? Tell us. Okay. Well, since you're so interested to know, I've been bringing my heating pad, my electric heating pad into the bed. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Because Meredith turns the temperature down, way down. I don't turn it down. I cover up our vents and that's on your request. You cover up the vents all day. So no warm air can get into the bedroom. Because I don't like sleeping. So it's warm. frosty in the bedroom. So what I do to counteract that is bring the heating pad into the bed, which... Yeah, and then like an hour later when I wake up drenched in my own sweat, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And it's because the, the heating pad is in the bed. I create a literal oven, not a Dutch oven. But sometimes I, I, you also create a I Dutch do, oven. I do, I <laughs> do. The worst is when you do that and like, I don't realize cause you know, silent and deadly and like, I'll like move in the bed or something and it wafts up and I, I just like, I'm like, okay. yeah, because you never farted in bed. And then I look over <laughs> and you're just like grinning at me as if I wasn't going to notice. No, I usually say, Hey, heads up. I farted. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It and you like still death. breathe in through your nose. Well, I don't want I've it in my mouth. You- there are no good options. The best hey, option. Don't, seriously, don't sit there and act like you've never farted in the bed. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I have. <laughs> yeah, that one time. I will. There's, there's nothing like when, when you're like, I know you've done this. When you're in the early stages of a relationship and you fart in your sleep. Like you don't normally wake up when you fart in your sleep, except when you're in a new relationship. And you're sharing a bed with like a new person and like you fart and you're just like awake and you look over to see if they notice. And of course they didn't. Terrifying every time. People listening know like that happens until about a year and a half. Is that right? Yeah. I wonder what the average length of time before somebody farts in front of their significant other, new Um, significant other. I'm going to find out. Um, I bet you it's like five months, but also would it, I feel like it's different for females and males. Yeah. Males like just don't care as much not to like stereotype. Okay. Okay. This has actually been, there's, there was a survey. Okay. It says, according to a new survey conducted by seniorliving.org, both men and women wait a long time before openly farting in front of their partner. In a survey of 1,000 adults, men reported waiting an average of 6.5 months before passing gas in front of their partner, while women tend to wait 1.3 years. (laughs) (laughs) That explains 
that's almost exactly and i would have waited longer had it not squeaked out (laughs) and made a sound but it was like i've been in here for too long (laughs) (laughs) the the one-year-old fart yeah except you go you like excuse yourself to the bathroom to like you know you turn the fan on and rip ass and come back out there's also like those I guess the first time it happened with us, mine made an audible sound. So I was mortified <laughs> and you, and I tried to just like pretend it didn't happen. Oh, I know. And you were like, wait, wait, no, what? No, 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 I'm sure no, we've told no, this no. story, but what about if you like ripped ass mm-hmm. and it stinks, but it was a silent one. At what point does the other person say, uh, was that, <laughs> was that you? It's especially like, excuse me excuse me did you just shit your pants (laughs) i know we've been in this relationship for about a year but i really have to ask um do you need to change your panties (laughs) do you need to borrow panties (laughs) because you can't borrow mine (laughs) i guess it's especially if you like don't have a dog to blame it on and like cats no no they they don't fart um Okay, but to the to the, the the actual thing we wanted to talk about, I don't know if other people do this with their friends or family members, but when Meredith and I drive together, we usually listen to podcasts, and we have to do a post mortem of every podcast that we listen to. Yeah, we have our and own- sometimes they last longer than the actual podcasts. Sometimes they turn into debates. Great and debates. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had one recommended. Mm, how did this occur? Oh, right. I remember I put up a story not too long ago. You were you were working on an afternoon and there was like <laughs> a Jewel song playing in the background. And so I was like, oh, my God. So I like did a story. Where I walked down and like Foolish Games is playing and you're doing handstand pushups or something. And um, I was warming up. Yeah. People it's love my, that story. It's my pump up song. It's it's the one that plays first every time. Yep. So anyways, someone was like, I love Jewel. If you haven't listened to her on Armchair Expert, her story is amazing or something like that. And the only thing I know about Jewel is that she's from Alaska. And this is like, I, it's like when someone, they're like, we're, you're going to love this person. And you're like, oh. I don't believe you because I'm very hypercritical of people. I'm also hypercritical of podcasts and also like specifically celebrities. So, but went into it with high hopes because I also love, like I enjoyed Foolish Games, her music and that was, yeah, I have childhood memories. We also listened to a really, like a really good podcast from Armchair Expert. It was our first one with that podcast with Kate Beckinsale. Holy crap. What a great. And she was great and, and. They asked really cool questions and they were, it was just more in depth than like the average podcast. I thought, yeah, they kind of broached topics that maybe are somewhat, not necessarily taboo, but not as, um, openly discussed, I guess, Mm -hmm. in like mainstream media. So it was kind of cool to hear like Kate Beckinsale talk about some of the things she was talking about and she's got a great sense of humor and is really smart. So that kind of like, we were like, Oh, Jewel be great too. Yeah. And like somebody has told us it's going to be great. So yeah um i don't know how else to say this that podcast was fucking terrible okay (laughs) so another thing that i don't like to ruin 
a TV show or a podcast by saying like, this is bad unless I really don't want to listen to it. So in the middle of the podcast, Jewel was talking out of her butthole (laughs) about something or other. And she, I kind of laughed because it was just, it made no sense what she said. And then I, and then Meredith goes, what? And I thought, "Uh oh, Meredith thinks this is good. So I was like, I don't know. I just, she's kind of, and Meredith was like, full of shit. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Thank God we're on the same page so, with this one. But it was so comical. If you actually listen to what she was saying, it was just like, she was. Um, she would contradict herself every other sentence. Like she would say something and by itself, you're like, oh, okay. And then the very next sentence she would say would contradict the thing that she just said. Yeah. But one of the things that tipped me off right at the beginning where I was like, oh, geez, was she she wouldn't get asked a specific question about something, but she would want to bring something up. And that was very clear. It was like you if you've ever talked to someone or been around someone and they're like having a conversation, but you can tell they're not actually listening. They're just thinking about the next thing that they want to say. That was this whole podcast. Anyways, at the very beginning, she goes. So I guess they were they asked about why how she was celebrating uh, some sort of milestone mark of one of her albums. And she goes, well, I really like to read. I'm really into reading about nutrition science. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah. And we both kind of look at each other and I'm like, this is going to be good. And I honestly, I don't really, it was about sugar, the differences between natural sugar and artificial sugar and signaling the brain and then how that, was similar to the way that um, celebrating uh, a milestone in your life. I think her point was if you eat artificial sugar, as in like refined sugar, your brain is getting, it's getting signaled that there's nutrients coming, but then the nutrients never come, which isn't true. But if you eat raw sugar, as in the sugar that comes in the brown bag, that's less processed then your brain gets signaled that nutrients are coming and then nutrients come because for some reason raw sugar is more nutritious than refined sugar and then, and then she made the same analogy with like a potato chip saying that potato chips don't provide nutrients and i was like well no and then she yeah then she went on to say where if you do all of these things in life and you never celebrate it's like your brain never you're like missing the end point or something it was dumb yeah also that part was dumb separate and apart from the nutrition in my opinion mm-hmm. obviously this is an opinion piece oh we don't have to say i mean of course we don't know that okay opinion piece so anyways we wouldn't recommend that that my problem with dual is my the same problem they have with a lot of people who have platforms like um i've always kind of tried to surround myself with people who are as smart or smarter than me and that's partially like that's the way that college works and no offense to Jewel. She didn't go to a university. So she's, I don't know how that she's ever really been in that. I'm not even sure she graduated from high school. Okay. Well, like regardless. So university and then having a real, like a, a job where other really smart people work. Like generally, if you, if you talk out of your ass and you say something that's completely wrong, you're going to be corrected really quickly. As in like, no, that's not true. This is true. Or there's no evidence that indicates that that's true which has basically been my entire life and probably yours. 
like you can't just say things but mm-hmm. people like celebrities and people on instagram and influencers and people that have microphones but no checks and balances they just get to say whatever they want with no one there to be like um yeah it's not really true what you just said none of it's true um it certainly doesn't happen on this podcast no and dax was like oh cool yeah he's like huh no way and like (laughs) dax is a smart guy and you have to think that he's sitting there going like no this chick's full of shit um but obviously like he you don't want to be rude but it's just it's that whole like boundaries of confidence thing it's like i feel like i have and most professionals have strong boundaries of confidence as in like "Mm, i'm not an expert in this matter and i don't know enough to have a well-formed opinion but like celebrities and a lot of them anyways i won't say all of them a lot of people out there they lack that boundary and so it's like even if they know like the tiniest even if they learn like a word about something they feel like they have enough information to have a strong opinion of about it that's that whole conspiracy theory thing that people who know very little think that they know more than experts yeah that would be like me coming on this podcast with our like millions of listeners and saying something (laughs) about plumbing Mm. or cars and think and because i have so many followers people take it as fact Uh uh-huh which is not far from what is happening in this world today. I know. You're like, um, you don't hear me talking about plumbing or cars, do you? No, you don't. Because you don't Better know. Better than that. I know. Um, but if a plumbing company out there wanted to sponsor me, I wouldn't uh, be opposed to using your platform. To using the platform to spread the good word about plumbing or toilet parts <laughs> <laughs> flanges and plungers and yeah. things so yeah there's a plug if you're a plumbing company and you've never dabbled in the influencer world maybe now's your time my the like my knowledge of of toilets is toilet won't flush <laughs> and then i'm like okay be there in a second <laughs> I know. actually know a lot about <laughs> toilets. Just don't look in the bowl, whatever you do. <laughs> I close the lid. Don't open the lid. Um, okay. So this leads us to our next, um, our next kind of like story. So then Meredith goes, okay, if you want to like actually listen to a good podcast. Like armchair ep- expert. Yeah. That's, that they have a really smart person on. We have to listen to um russell, russell brand. brand and i'm like all right cool let's do it you know you were like who's russell brand and then, then you I told me it. yeah yeah and then i was like right um okay so we listened to this this podcast and he is a smart dude i'll give him that but he the his the way that he speaks is so there's some word out there that I, there's a word to describe the way that he speaks. It's like, it's like the way Shakespeare speak speaks, but not quite as Old? ridiculous, <laughs> but like close. Like there's so, he probably uses 10 adjectives in one sentence and his sentences are, are very long. There's no punctuation. So Meredith and I, we get off this podcast and he, he is coherent, I think. 
We definitely is. And at the beginning, they do say, like, if you ever were to listen to a podcast at a, at a reduced speed, this would be the one. Because he talks really fast. He uses a lot of words. He's a very poetic. And he yes. kind of talks about his history with acting and... Addiction. With, well, yeah, but specifically with acting and language and, like, spoken and written word and how he just has a knack for that. And you can tell he really likes to use it. But the whole podcast is about... Um, well, I mean, it's hard to say. It's about cy- <laughs> exactly cycles of addiction and then societal problems and Buddhism and kind of how all of these things fit together and like the way that you can conceptualize our society and our progression as a culture. It's super interesting, but um, it does leave you, it does leave a lot to interpretation. I find it super. It's very thought provoking. Yeah. Whereas I like. So Meredith's like the way that he speaks is it's a great skill. And I disagree with that. I think that somebody who has skill in the way they communicate is able to cake. Just cut that. that, that no, out. absolutely um, not. Obviously, I've, I'm not as skilled as I wish I was. But I consolidate difficult topics and deliver them in a very easy to digest manner for a large audience, which would be listening to armchair expert. It seemed like if you weren't paying very, very close attention to what he was saying, it was very hard to decipher what was happening. And it, like I said, it seemed, it was kind of like Shakespeare where you read a sentence and you have to stop and be like, Hey, wait, what did that, what does that mean? What did he just say in in English? That's how I, hmm. I, and, and so we had a great debate, Meredith and I, about, um, about that. About the skill of it? There were many aspects to the debate. Well, I just find you're very binary. It has to be black and white. There's no in between. There's no interpretation, but like a lot of the topics that he's discussing, like, yeah, there are probably sociologists and psychologists out there who have formed similar um, theories about what he's discussing, but he's not a sociologist and he's not a psychologist. He's just a person with experience who does a lot of reading and meditating and thinking. And so he speaks from that, like through that lens and it's meant like it's meant to be thought provoking and a lot of those concepts are not well established. They're just schools of thought. And so you can't say, and you wouldn't want to say definitively, this is the reason. It's just, this might be the reason. But or, he didn't say that. He didn't say this might be the reason. No, and but that's not the point. He I'm said a lot of other words that might mean that that's what he meant to say. Yeah, it just it's, you have to listen to it and be willing to do some of your own thinking instead of just be waiting to be, told well no first you have to translate and then do your own thing. i will admit this is my second time listening to this podcast so it was a little bit easier the second time around so at one point i was like okay but what did what was he saying what was he saying about this topic and meredith goes i think what he was saying i'm like exactly <laughs> you don't actually know i amended that and i okay. said what he was saying was this um so that was like this great debate that we had but if you if you do want to listen to it is a thought-provoking podcast and if you do want to listen to it it cannot be something that you listen to in the background and expect to get anything out of it but you should you should listen to it it's 
Armchair Expert, which is only on Spotify with Russell Brand. Give it a listen and see if you fall into the, that was amazing. I feel so like inspired and enlightened. And I'm thinking about all these things, Meredith camp or the, that was complete gobbledygook. <laughs> Alex. No, camp. I didn't. A lot of it was gobbledygook, but I, I do think that he did come for full circle on his thoughts. It just required some like translation in my own brain. Like, okay, what did he just say there? Um, he did make some interesting points. One, which I'll share was like, and I deal with this. I struggle with thinking about like dwelling on the past, worrying about the present. That is basically my entire like life. It's just, it's worrying and it's dwelling and it's planning. And I I struggle to live in the moment. When she's got the thousand meter stare going, it's not that she's deep in thought. She's deep in worry. Yeah. And so I often look at Ivy who's just chilling (laughs) And I think, man, what a life she lives. Mm. Not a care in the world. She doesn't worry about like anything. What does Ivy worry about? I don't about? think she has a worry. Ivy, what do you worry about? I think she worries when we forget to feed her because like she doesn't necessarily have In the, the moment, but I don't think not having food one night, she's worried that she's never going to have food again. <clears throat> she's like, I'm not worried if you don't clean my litter box. I'll just shit in your sink. <laughs> um, and so he, he says, you know, like, or I guess Dax said uh, something about, you know, do you ever do you ever look at, um, you know, other animals? Because what we are are just animals, and think like how how are we different? Like why do we have these these things to to worry about? Like why do we live this life where we're of higher higher intellectual power when like these animals are just enjoying their lives, sunning on the carpet, and his point was like, well, yeah, I do think about that sometimes, but like, we're kind of, you know, we have the cards that were dealt and we have to deal with it. So the burden of being evolved monkeys. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. One (laughs) other thing I'll point out was Dak Shepard, who is quite smart. In my opinion, he said at one point, um, he goes, I would actually, and this is, this is paraphrasing. I would actually consider myself a, a connoisseur of, of language to some degree and then literally well maybe not literally but about two or three sentences later uses somebody in some an eyes relationship oh yeah and i was like are you serious he actually does that a lot if you use eyes as plural like i apostrophe s you are not linguistic he taught he said like kristen that is and so, eyes yeah it's like that the is most the worst grammar ever and i the drives me absolutely nuts most egregious <laughs> grammatical error it's so easy it's the easiest one to not do yeah yeah eyes 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 <laughs> that w- that should never be used it's not doesn't even feel right coming out of your mouth so i don't understand i don't understand how it happens so often it happens all the time yeah anyways we didn't need to be critical we just wanted to share what our uh our podcast listening sometimes approaches like, are. i go through people's instagram posts like other like relatively smart people i'm not going to name drop because it would be very familiar but i'm like uh, you're a smart per- why did you make that error what like, <laughs> do people not so when i the process for writing posts both when when i write them and when you write them um like for personal and tactic i i read them out loud because i find that's the only way to catch grammatical errors mm. like 
even like weird sentence structure stuff or like if I repeat words if they're too close together that bugs me but like you can't I feel like people don't do that uh, so yeah I mean I think grammar is just the lost art but um you know what word I've been using a lot and I really like it elucidate hmm. I can see people making the mistake with a, with I and me I'm sure I've done it uh, on this podcast mm. it kind of like happens I don't think that there's any any excuse for making that mistake in the written word no but one of my law school professors told me a, a uh, there's a strategy you can use to um, kind of get a better sense of each sentence and the, its structure within <coughs> a larger piece. And that's to take your paper and read it backwards, but like sentence by sentence. Mm -hmm. So you start with the very last sentence and you read it in isolation and then you can figure out, you know, what that sentence needs to, to look like on its yeah. own and then you just do that sentence by sentence because if you read a paper that you've written and probably have already read several times then you're going to just read what you want to read yeah you don't actually catch anything is each individual sentence meant to be grammatically correct on its own mm -hmm. i but see like a lot okay of, it's a little different for instagram uh, yeah because a lot of what i write would not be grammatically correct because they're not they work with the sentence before and they require it yeah. But it's also, I do a lot of periods and not a lot of commas because mm -hmm. I find that's easier to like read. commas. Yeah, I don't like commas. Okay, well. I really hate semicolons. We are the grammar police, if you're wondering. And yes, I'm sure that annoys you, but. Yeah. Which is also why it really annoys me when people correct my grammar. The best is when um, somebody is debating us on Instagram <laughs> and then they use your as in why oh you are instead and of, then instead of actually just like commenting back to their point you can just say your asterisk <laughs> and that's where it ends that's like the ultimate we're done here and then they usually <laughs> respond back with lol okay and you're like mm -hmm. yeah it's the best clap back <laughs> okay enough oh, of our, man. we should get off our high horse we should i feel like people people's opinions of us are probably <laughs> declining uh. it's okay we're not actually assholes but speaking of Instagram, I, um, the whole, I guess the catalyst behind our, our topic or mini topic today, I wrote a post, um, I don't know, a week or two ago. It was on this, um, this, these two studies or these two publications that came out in nature and it was, um, looked at the, you know, why do people, why do, why do artists, why do business people, why do athletes get on these hot streaks where they ex are kind of experiencing a lot of success all at once um and it's usually a time when you know the inclination might be to to say like oh they're they're just getting really lucky you know um and the whole thing was you know there's no such thing as luck and the studies kind of indicate that <clears throat> while hot streaks might seem kind of random like they just happen it's actually there's like some fundamental and um sort of concrete things that happen before where people go on these hot streaks. So it's usually the, um, usually a hot streak or luck rests on a significant body of work or a large effort where, um, no discernible progress occurs. So you're working really hard and, you know, not making a lot of money or, you know, not getting drafted to the pros or, um, 
you know, you're doing a lot of paintings, but not getting recognized for it. And, um, so there's a, a broad body of work that's, you know, you're working in a lot of different ways. And then there's a period of exploitation where you kind of get really narrow and focus in on one thing. And that's generally where the, like the luck and the hot streak kind of occur. And it's like obvious the way this happens for athletes, I will say maybe outside of the CrossFit realm, but a lot of like professional athletes sort of dabble in sports when they're younger and then specialize, uh, you know, when they're older. And a really good example of that is Russell Wilson, who played a lot of sports and then played both baseball and football in college. And, you know, even went to some pro camps in the minor leagues while he was still in, in university and then ultimately didn't decide whether to go pro in football or baseball until his senior year. So, um, you know, that's just kind of an example. And so that I thought the the post itself was really cool. And I find that research really neat because it's not something that's um, really historically been researched. And the way that they did it, it's really cool. They used artificial intelligence to evaluate um, artists and uh, directors and people and just kind of how this process actually pans out over time. Um, if you if you want to read the studies, they're they're super interesting. And I encourage you to do that. But anyways, um, like most things that go up on our page, it was generally well received, but someone made a comment about, um, how don't forget that bad luck can derail hard work, like an athlete getting injured. And it just made me, that one made me kind of pause and think about, um, specifically, I guess, injuries in both in athletes, but then also in kind of normal people and people who aren't athletes. Cause I think that's a, a experience that's fairly universal in people who are active. Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, I guess that's, that's kind of the launching off point for the first part of our discussion today on, on injuries. Um, and I, f- I find, and feel free to interject. You're just staring at me with hard eyes. So well, no, I actually did a little bit of research. Just now? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. There's a word called, I'm going to spell it first. Okay. S-E-S-Q-U-I-P-E-D-A-L-I-A-N. Okay. Sesquipedalian. Oh. Sesquipedalian, which I'm not sure if that's how you say it. How do you, how do you spell it? <laughs> S E S. Oh, I got it. I think S S. Um, let's see. Sesquipedalian. There you go. I I had it nailed. Sesquipedalian can also be used to describe someone or something that overuses big words. That's the word that I was saying exists to describe. Oh, Russell podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But he did say he spent a lot of time reading dictionaries. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense because of the word <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyways when i went to go look at um, synonyms for flowery language mm-hmm. which is how i stumbled upon this word i noticed that there are a lot of words i don't know the meaning of yeah which is why you should spend time i reading really should. <laughs> should or i should listen to russell brand imagine apparently how good he has a podcast i know imagine how good at scrabble you'd get yeah yeah anyway um so what were you saying yeah Something i'm so glad about you luck. were <laughs> listening to me that whole time 
um well no but it just it made me think about um people who get injured and just stop what they're doing Mm -hmm. and the athletes or regular people any anyone Mm -hmm. um this doesn't even need to be athletes it can be people who are semi-active and an injury just like really alters their life and it doesn't this isn't to say that injuries can't do that because there are certainly injuries that are bad enough to change the course of someone's life um but I think about, you know, we know, we know a lot of high level athletes, both CrossFit games athletes, um, who maybe not, aren't quite as resilient as others, but also Olympic athletes and people who do extreme sports and injuries are just part of the game. And I was thinking, you know, if, if the only thing, and it's, let's just take like a Olympic level skier, for example, who we know a few of, and it's no surprise that they, that a, a high level skier would have the goal of eventually going to the Olympics and probably standing on the podium. That's a reasonable goal for someone who is good enough to go to the Olympics. But if all that person ever thought about was standing on the podium, I don't think they would be a very good athlete. And you certainly wouldn't be able to overcome injury because when an athlete I think when you, when you accomplish a big goal and anyone who's ever run a marathon or competed in a sport and achieved something probably understands this. When you accomplish something great and you're standing on the podium and they're playing your national anthem and you're crying, like what, it, what is the emotion for? Is it because you've accomplished something great or are you thinking back to all the work and the process and like effort that it took to get there? And that's kind of when we talk about process-related goals – like I think I think achievement is so overwhelming sometimes because of because you're reminded of all the work that went into it. And what that means is that that work and the whole process has to be what you focus on every day. And when an athlete is standing on top of a podium with a medal around their neck and they're getting emotional, they're thinking about all of the things that went into it. They're thinking about the good they're thinking about the bad. They're thinking about the things they had to overcome. They're thinking about the good days. They're thinking about the days that weren't good. They're thinking about all of it. And that's part of the process. Um, and so I think that there's a, a disconnect between maybe how a, elite athletes, like in their mindsets around injury and recovery and that versus, you know, people who let injury really set them back and change change their approach to to life and I mean you can jump in here but I think we see it happen you know we work with a whole spectrum of people from the elites all the way down to just you know weekend warrior types and you kind of see how the psychology changes across the the spectrum of human being yeah I mean I think if you look at any high level competitor Anybody who's stood on the Olympic podium, most of those athletes, I would guess, have experienced some kind of injury. If you look at a ski racing specifically, since you brought up that example, and I'm obviously familiar with it, I would say probably everyone at the top level has had (laughs) a significant injury in their career at some point. So I think that that woman's comment, I assume it was a woman because of her handle. I think that person's comment, it's almost 
moot. Yeah. Like I there. Yeah, of course there's some bad luck. I just don't think it's as big of a factor because there are so many factors. I mean, you could say she, you know, she could have said, well, what about genetics? What about money? Socioeconomic status? What, what that's beside the point. Like that's, we're looking at within the elite of the elites already mm-hmm. when we make those statements, like <clears throat> fairly elite. I mean, it's the same thing with like people who own big businesses and are making tons of money. It's like, there's a lot of different factors there as well, but we're looking like at a small percentage of people who are already at the top. Yeah. Well, you can even like, you can control for those factors. You mm-hmm. can just say like, you can normalize it by saying, you know, you, how do you meet your peak potential as a person? And that includes, um, you know, congenital things that includes, um, genetic limitations that includes injuries that includes, um, socioeconomic status that includes all of those things. But it's like, how do you get the most out of, out of your lot in life? And if you control for those things, the, the process and the attitude is exactly the same. And also you can kind of remove the ceiling a little bit where you might self limit by saying, well, I have this, I have that. I'm from here. I'm afflicted with this. You self limit. Whereas if, if you just focus on what can I do every single day to be the best that I can be, you, you remove that ceiling that you kind of unconsciously place over yourself by living into the limitations that you feel like you have to put out there so that people understand that you can't stand on an Olympic podium because of, xyz yeah i think um that while this comment about injuries has led will lead to a better discussion like what i mean is that it's not a factor in in that point that you were making no it's not because that post is about like the people that you see and yeah like um having said that I think the difference between somebody who lets injury sidetrack them or derail them in their career or in their life differ differs from somebody who overcomes injury and gets back on the horse quickly is mindset, value, and focusing on the day-to-day process and being able to reframe the situation in and take being able to figure out what they can control in that moment and taking control of it yeah I think it's too easy for you to say oh I can't do that so what's the point or I can't work out so why focus on my nutrition you know I can't bike so why like why even why even go to the gym I can't do all of those movements programmed in the CrossFit class today so I'm just going to cancel my membership Mm-hmm. Whereas the people who are overcoming injury, they're the ones who are like on the rower with using one leg. It's like they get back to it. They're focusing on their nutrition because it's like, okay, I can't do this, but I can do this. And it, and it's, it's all kind of related. Okay. I can't like, I can't be at the gym for two hours, but I can go to the gym for 30 minutes and then I can go to physio or I can do my exercises or icing my, my leg or whatever it may be. It's like, what can I do rather than like, what, what am I, what am I limited by and being down in the dumps Yeah, and, um, and thinking, Oh, it's going to be two months. It's going to be, you know, two weeks. Like there, there, I, I do believe they, it is, it is worth feeling sorry for yourself for a hot minute. Yeah. 
and validating your feelings, but then you have to move on. I like this quote. There's two quotes. The first one is uh, from, so Kay Yao, who is, she was, she passed away. She battled breast cancer for like, I don't know, 15 years. She had <clears throat> had it four times. <clears throat> she was the um, women's basketball coach at NC State and um, was there when I was there. And she had, she won the Jim Valvano SB. And Jim Valvano, if you know him, was the men's, the national championship coach for NC State for a couple of years. So she won that award and she gave this um, really amazing speech. And she's a very religious person. I am not, but um, <clears throat> the messaging was really good. And it, it was how she has been dealt kind of a hard hand with her cancer diagnosis and just her experience with it. And it would be easy to sort of get lost in self-pity. And she said there were certainly moments where she, she felt that way, but she always found it most useful to, uh, and the, the word she used was, um, swish your feet and get out, which is to say, you can feel sorry for yourself. You can, you can feel down in the dumps, but switch your, like swish your feet in those feelings of self-pity and then get away from it because it's not going to serve you in the long run. And it definitely doesn't. And then the second quote that I like, um, and we've, we've posted this, I think on our Instagram way back when, um, COVID sort of started up and a lot of people were, um, put out of their gyms. The quote is when fishermen cannot go to sea, they repair nets. And that's kind of meant to say, you know, when you can't do the thing that you want to do the most, you focus on doing the other things that facilitate your ability to do your main thing. And I'm, I'm saying thing because this extends to things and activities and endeavors outside of fitness, but um, fitness is certainly the most common one. And you do see people who, when they can't work out, they, you know, they just throw in the towel with nutrition and with activity of any kind, because it's like, well, if I can't do this the exact way that I want to do it, why would I do it at all? And I think that brings us back to the importance of values and core values and operating from those. And in the difference when I think of athletes and people who do successfully overcome injury and setbacks, um, they do what they do because it's who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas a lot of people do what they do because they want something. And, um, when that something is taken off the table or is delayed, they don't want to, they don't want to put in the work anymore. And so that is a really good time to sort of back up the conversation and reframe it into like, well, why are you doing what you're doing? Why is it important? Like reframe it, get it all the way back down to that core value and then you can redefine what the process might actually need to be. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking about this and I think there are other factors as well. It's not necessarily just, um, having a positive, uh, mindset or being able to reframe situations. I think it, it, it goes back to somebody's background or history or, um, other interests. And one example I'll give, I, I ski raced with a girl who, um, I really want her to come on the podcast. Her name's Georgia Simmerling. She's an old, like old friend of mine and she's a three time Olympian in, or no, four time Olympian, three different sports. And I skied with her back when I was a teenager. And then we were on uh, like the national development team in 2007, I think, or eight together. And at the end of that year, like, um, 
I, I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like the road, the road is going to be so bumpy, like not just with injury, but it's, you know, you're traveling around the world, which sounds awesome, but like, you're not really, you know, visiting places you're skiing and you're kind of forced to do something like skiing, which was something I, I enjoyed growing up. It was my one true love became um, excuse me a job <laughs> it's it's second now okay to ivy um <laughs> okay. it, it turned into a bit of a job and so when i quit and i looked at you know some of the girls who continued and i was thinking like why would you want to do that like it's so difficult mm-hmm. and like you know there were a lot of injuries we had one girl who who dropped out she had she had a really 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 bad concussion and then throughout the years kind of watching georgia's career you know she had so many injuries like I think she broke her leg once at one point she like her heart got bruised she was induced into a coma these are all from like various ski crashes and then she ended up doing switching to uh bike racing like short short track velodrome velodrome bike racing and I remember we went for dinner with her and she was telling us about the like dizzy there's some sort of like thing you can get when you get really dizzy hmm. because you're just going around in circles and it can oh, kind of plague you like vertigo. I think it's vertigo. Hmm. So you can be on the track and you just like, you totally lose mm-hmm. like awareness of where you are, like what's up, what's down. And, and then I, I look at like, what's the difference between Georgia who's just had this amazing athletic career <coughs> and me. And I'm like, is it, is it athletic, athletic potential? Maybe. I think for me, it's kind of like I was really interested. I didn't necessarily identify as a ski racer, at, just as a ski racer, just as I had like this, I valued academics. And so I kind of was like, oh, I can go to university on a NCAA scholarship and get my, my education, which has always been so important to me and still ski race. And then see where it goes from there. Whereas Georgia and like some of the other girls that I used to ski with, who've been doing this for years now, they, their only identity was to, to be a ski racer, to be an Olympian. And it's the same thing. Like Marie Michelle Gagnon, who's at the Olympics right now. I also skied with her. I'm not name dropping. I'm just explaining examples. She missed the Olympics four years ago because she hurt her leg she's back at it this year. Mm-hmm. And a, I think a lot of people look at her and she's, you know, she's 32 now. She would have been, you know, 28, which is getting up there and she's still at it. Yeah. And it's, it's so impressive. And I think that just goes to the identity. Yeah. It's tunnel vision. You don't see any, anything else. It's just what you do. Yeah. Something happens. It's like, how do I get back? And then on to that, it, it's doing what it takes to, to get there. And, a lot of the times like patience and stuff, you know, I know a lot of athletes who come back from injury and this is, this is at the elite level and this is at the recreational level too quickly because they can't see the bigger picture. It's like, I want to be on the snow ASAP. Mm-hmm. They don't give the time for, for recovery, which will allow them to ski better in the season if they give it another month. Yeah. It's and- maturity and it's, it's being able like, what can I be <clears throat> doing right now that maybe isn't skiing, but will help me be stronger when I do return to snow. Yeah. And so that was my big spiel. But I, I think that's, that's to say the identity aspect is probably one of the biggest factors in in develop, getting to the point where you can even have a hot streak. Yeah. 
and the identity thing like it it sort of all it does grow and stem from the like core values which kind of dictate your um you know your daily actions and the people that you associate with which um you know sort of starts to form that identity which you know reinforces the daily actions which leads to consistent behavior and that's where results come from um and that is going to be a post that i do at some point and put that all in writing because that's that's a theory that i came up with that's a conjunction of several other identity and behavior theories but um but enough about me enough about my brain and how it works (laughs) it is though like that's kind of the cool thing about this this coaching thing is it's there's a lot of minds and a lot of talking and a lot of theories and if you're paying attention you kind of see that they all interlock in some way and it forms um you know what your your self-concept is and that's you know that kind of drives behavior and yeah it's interesting but anyways um that's yeah I, I do think the identity thing is it's part of what it it allows you to put on these blinders and just you know okay this is what I'm doing now okay I can't <clears throat> obviously ski race but I can do the hell out of PT and I can do a really good job with nutrition and you know we worked with I mean you know we're friends with Brady Lehman who had a really devastating not devastating but he had a pretty severe injury not too long ago over what is it a year ago a little over a year ago mm-hmm. and he's at the olympics now and you know we helped him over the summer and it was very it was just like like just do all of the things that you can <clears throat> strength train cardio um nutrition to get back into the best shape that you possibly can be so that you have a chance to go back to the olympics and he's back at the olympics and um you know why why is it why do athletes do that so well you know even if maybe sometimes they come back a little too soon because they're excited why did they do that so well and you know other people struggle and again it's it's the core values and identity yeah and i don't think you can differ i actually don't think i think some of the elite athletes they they make it through and they do it better than maybe an average recreational person but i think there are a hell of a lot of recreational athletes out there who who are just as motivated and identify just as much as an athlete mm-hmm. in their own right as an elite Olympian. Um, yeah. And if you're just like, if you're recreational and you're, you're into trail running or biking or CrossFit because you love it and it's what you do. Um, yeah. You're probably gonna have a similar approach if an injury does occur. It's like, Oh, what a bummer. What can I do like instead? Yeah. Like I know some CrossFit athletes. I know, um, runners who it's like they're injured and they reach out to us like hey i'm injured like i need nutrition to to help support like maintaining my muscle mass and support through Mm -hmm. recovery so that when i do get back i can um be as strong as i i can given the circumstances um one example this is kind of a funny one but everyone knows my mom brenda and she recently had some pretty extreme dental surgery that put her out of training, as we like to call it. She's not training for anything specific, just for life. Mm-hmm. But she takes it very seriously and considers herself like a, an athlete. She, ha- she sets PRs and has goals and things like that and values her health and fitness. She sent me a text the other day, and she tracks her macros, as you know. And she was like, I've been you know, really focusing on trying to get in at least 1,800 calories and you know, making sure I'm getting my fiber in and all of my protein, and I'm 
you know, she can't eat hard food, so she has to eat some like protein options that maybe she normally wouldn't. She's like, I've had cod for dinner every night. And she's like, I'm just hoping that this will all help when I do get back to the gym next week. Yeah. And it's like, it's difficult. I mean, a lot of people struggle to eat 140 to 150 grams of protein on a normal day. Mm -hmm. Like imagine getting in 140 to 150 grams of protein, eating like steamed cod (laughs) or a sausage that's been removed from the casing. Yeah. Like it's, it's, there's a, it's a grind and it's, but that goes back to her value. Like she values her health and not just her health long, like her longevity, but she values how she feels on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Health wise, fitness wise in each and every workout. Yeah. Um, so it, it doesn't just apply to the elite athlete. It applies to anybody. Yeah. And we deal like we have clients who are just like my mom who yeah. it's like, I, I need to do everything I can here. They get COVID. It's like, what should I be doing to, to help, you know? Yeah. Instead of getting COVID or getting sick and being like, well, I guess I'll just, you know, stop. It's too hard. Mm-hmm. Cause like it, you know, well, okay, sometimes you need to give yourself a few days. Oh, I know. Like it's, you gotta be reasonable. <laughs> yeah. You can't be in the gym crushing yourself <laughs> if you have strep throat. That's insane. Or like, yeah. Trying to scarf down food when you, you know, yeah. I mean, there's are nauseous. There's some day, some time when you need to give yourself a little grace, but it's like, okay, eventually you're not going to be sick and then what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Or eventually you're not going to be injured and then what's going to happen? Like time's going to go by regardless. Like you can use it to be productive or you can use it to mope around and feel bad for yourself. Like which one's it going to be? Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about how we dealt with injuries in the past and then re- more recently? Yeah. Because you have a foot injury. I do. I have a whole, like, I mean, I have several story arches with injuries and I've dealt, I've, I've been both good about it and then like not so good about it. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I think you should talk and you maybe talked about this before. It's so hard. You know, we just get on these, these podcasts and just ramble, ramble. So I'm sure we've repeated ourselves hundreds of times. Um, we've probably lost at least two or three followers out of the millions, but we, I mean, like I think what can you do? What can you do? Okay. Um, (laughs) drop in a bucket. The, the story about your elbow at regionals. Oh yeah. And how you, this is what not to do. This is an example (laughs) of what not to do. So I will say, um, before I had, so the elbow injury started up in kind of, I will say late 2016, early 2017. Um, yeah, that's about right. Before that I had had some back injuries and things like that. And I had managed those relatively well, but they weren't quite as like with back injuries. It's just kind of a hard, like you're done. Stop what you're doing. Your spine's messed up. So it's pretty easy. I find most people don't struggle with those, um, as much, but my elbow injury, if you've ever had, um, the, (laughs) if you've ever had golfer's elbow or medial epicondylitis, it's a, a pretty common injury, but it's right in the inside of your elbow. And it's usually, from overdoing pulling movements. I actually, I think I know what did it one time. I, I saw this. Yeah, it was in 2016. I was, I'm really good at pulling and rope climbs and things like that. And I was quite good at legless rope climbs at the time. And I remember seeing a video of Telena Fortunato and she was doing legless rope climbs and she was doing the fireman slide down. So you would touch and then you undo, like you just clamp the rope with your feet or with your legs let go with your hands and just kind of fireman like fire pull down the rope and it's super fast. And I was like, I'm gonna figure that out. 
Um, cause at that time I was climbing, touching, wrapping my feet, coming down that way. And I'm pretty sure I did like 30 of those in a day. And I'm pretty sure that is what caused was like the inception of that elbow injury it was like 30 legless rope climbs trying to, trying to nail the descent. But anyways, um, so it was kind of like, a, it just started like anything does just kind of an irritation. And I kept going, it wasn't like a particularly devastating injury. And I just kept going with it, kept going, had Wadapalooza, kept going like, ah, oh, this is bothering me. Um, got a cortisone shot in it cause it was really quite aggravated, kept going. <laughs> um, I went, I definitely went into full ostrich. This is not a real thing. I'm going to stick my head in the sand kind of, um, an approach with that one. Uh, I got two cortisone shots in it and basically it was, I trained, I did well in that open. I was in, I was in really good shape. And if there was ever a year where I, I was like, I don't want to say a shoe in for the games, but like very likely to qualify for the games. That was the regional. Because that it was, was the regionals with all the gymnastics. And we were together when the workouts got announced and I was like, oh shit. Yeah. And, and you I were like, like, yes. <laughs> Cause it was like tons of muscle ups, rope climbs, no barbell, all dumbbell. It was just like, it was just tailor made. Um, so really excited but in the back of my head i'm like oh my elbow is screwed up i didn't do any rope climbs leading into regionals and there was that event because i couldn't even straighten my arm i remember when you went to go get that quarter cortisone shot yeah and you were you had a car that was manual yes and i don't know how to drive manual no and you were like uh my arm is numb like my yeah, whole my arm is numb i don't know if i should be driving and i was like uh <laughs> okay um where's the how to what what button do i push to make this an automatic <laughs> yeah it's like it, it got the cortisone got in my nerve and so my whole lower arm and hand was completely numb it was wild um we made it i didn't wreck but anyways the yeah so regionals came along and um i ended up in the rope climb event, which I hadn't been doing rope climbs because my elbow was so jacked up. Um, and the cortisone shot was kind of meant to get me through regionals, but it didn't really work. Um, and during that event, there was just like a, like my elbow just, it, there was a, a big pop and it became super unstable and, um, got checked out by CrossFit medical. And they were like, yeah, no, they, we re we would recommend that you not continue. And then I had a, had a, I w at that point I wasn't ready to pull out. So I had to sign a waiver that said, um, I'm acknowledging that the official recommendation is to not continue with competition. This is classic, like 2017 Meredith. Yeah. Just harden the paint. Yeah. Um, and, and then I think you texted me, you're like, I'm not really sure what to do. And I was like, I think we were competing on the same weekend. Well, yeah, I think we were. And I was like, I don't know either. I didn't want to tell you like what to do. But gotta go. <laughs> yeah. And so I was going to continue. And then I had a long conversation with my, um, friend Kim and she was kind of like look like you can continue but what's like what what's going to happen here like are you going to enjoy the outcome like you can't go out there and perform to your potential so like what is the point like you're probably just going to get your like more injured and like it's not going to feel good to go out there and lose essentially um so that was a hard lesson to learn that was I pulled ended up withdrawing um from the weekend and um, spent, yeah, spent the, the season, the rest of the year and leading into the 2018 season, kind of like I started working with Mike and, you know, programming was tailored around rehabbing and making sure my elbow was good to go. And then obviously <clears throat> qualified in 2018 and that was fine. I was in, I was in good shape in 2018 and the games were, you know, okay. 
but I <laughs> just think we ended up in urgent care two times in like the week leading up to the game. <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking did. about that too. Well, I thought I broke my thumb, which I didn't, but that was really painful. Um, it was very badly sprained when I was at the games. And then literally the day we went to Madison, I managed to slice my ankle open with a sled and had to go get a bunch of stitches. And they I were like, I had to remove the stitches, you did, but you liked that. <laughs> I did. Um, yeah, but it's, it's hard for me to not think back to 2017 and be like, what an opportunity you missed because I was in, I was in such good shape back then, but I just wasn't a disciplined person. If you had just acknowledged it earlier yeah, and before it got so bad, then you probably would have made it. Yeah. I think had I, had I taken care of it and not been a like dweeb about those rope climbs, then, um, yeah, it would have been, I would have been in a much better position to have a really good regionals, which I um, was kind of set up to have. So that was a lesson. Um, and then we'll talk about, so 2018 games happened and then, um, and like 2018, the whole time, like I, I never did cross it really too explicitly. I, I wanted to go to the games, but it wasn't like, oh, I have to go to the games. Um, I just really loved it. And, um, it allowed me to escape a marriage. I didn't want to be in, but the, um, what was the eye roll for? Nothing. It's true. Um, so after 2018, I felt this like immense pressure. It's like, Hey, I was a games athlete. And now for some reason I'm expected to go back to the games. Like that's just the, the pressure that is immediately put on you. And so then like there's this core value shift, right? So before I was, I was doing CrossFit and I was operating from like my why and just, I'm doing this because it's who I am and what it's, I, it's what I enjoy doing. And now I'm doing it because I want to go back to the games because I feel this external pressure, which was actually just internal pressure to go like get this achievement. And so it just felt very, I felt very disconnected. And I'm sure you remember the year after the games, I was just, it was, I was in such a bad mood mm -hmm. and I would train and I would that get was a angry. Great that was so fun. It was payback for your, um, articling year. <laughs> But I, yeah, I would train and I would just get really mad and <clears throat> it felt very off and I obviously wasn't having great sessions. And, and then you were like, what if I just did your training with you? And I was like, oh, that sounds terrible, <laughs> which it was. That was a bad idea. Um, and I would like, we still did a I couple of... I don't want to just ruin my training. I want to ruin <laughs> everyone's training. <laughs> but we had... Um, Good times. We did a couple of team events and mm -hmm. like those were okay. But it was, I just felt this... I, I felt all this pressure to do this because it was what I was expected to do. And, um, I didn't have, I don't think I had any injuries back then, nothing significant, but then it was like kind of thankfully, not thankfully, cause I think we're thankful for COVID, but COVID happened in 2020. And it was like, it kind of put that to rest. Like, well, actually the, the changes in 2019 kind of put it to rest. Mm -hmm. Cause I was like, I'm not playing this game. Um, but then 2020 really put it to rest as far as like, Hey, I don't, I'm going to take this pressure off myself. And then training became better. I, I started enjoying it more. Um, I started doing less of it, which was really helpful. And then kind of, you know, stumbled into, to running. Like I just started doing more different things and, um, partially because of you got into running and really enjoyed that. And that brings me to my most recent injury. Well, I'm going to interject and add two points. Okay. One, do you remember when, um, Julie Fouché competed at regionals with the boot on? Oh, 2015. Yeah. There's a, that opens up a whole other can of worms. Hmm. It's like, 
I remember there being some some talk, some chatter about that. Like, should she have done that? What was the point? Yeah. But then it was like, I love that she went out there and did it. Okay. And overcame adversity. And it's like, but is it a good message to be sending that you should be out on like, the t- you know, the competition floor with like a severe injury when you're not even really able to do it? Yeah. I don't know if I have an articulated opinion on that. I just thought it was interesting to bring up because you were like, well, what would be the point of going out there and losing in, yeah. in quotations? But I guess it, it's person dependent. It, I guess it depends on what you're there for mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, and then the other thing I was, I was thinking, so we're watching Euphoria right now, which is a great show. But yesterday on the episode that we saw, there was one girl who was saying that she's, she's in this, what on paper is a great relationship. And she's like, I'm just struggling so much. Like I'm, I'm almost depressed because like on paper, this is such a great thing for me. Like this Mm -hmm. guy is so great for me and, but it's not what I want, but it's what I should want. Yeah. And her friend basically was like, nobody knows what the hell we're doing. Like no one knows what we want, what we don't want. But one thing is for sure is you shouldn't be doing something because you think it's what you should want. Yeah. And that kind of goes to your point on CrossFit. Like mm-hmm. there's this expectation that you should try to get back to the games because that's what people do and you still have this potential. Yeah. But like if you don't want it, why are you doing it? That's, yeah. you know, but it's it's this societal pressure in certain cases. It's the pressure in a community from, you know, uh, perceived expectation. Yeah. And I just, I loved that last night in that, in that episode. And then also what you said, it just reminded me of it. And I thought that was a really cool point because, you know, we've touched on that with our careers. Like, why don't I want to be a lawyer? Like, yeah, everyone would, should want this. This is a dream job. Yeah. You make so much money. You've got the stability and, and, you know, you're a lawyer. You could say you're a lawyer, you know, you make the world go round but I didn't want it. So there's that internal struggle with what you actually want and what you feel like you should want. Yeah. I mean, we could do a whole podcast. On I that know. Topic. I was Maybe thinking that. Um, so anyways, go on. You, well, you yeah, found it, running. But it also ignores like the, your experience leading up to the point where you're like, no, I think this is what I should do because I think it's what I should do. Mm-hmm. Like 2018 for me, I was so beat up. Like I was so, it was, it was really long road to get there. And I was, you know, I took most of the year to get over an injury. I had a few others crop up. Like I hurt myself a whole bunch in training. It was like the scene, like if you've ever seen gone in 60 seconds where he's, he's got to steal 50 cars. And the last one is the Ford, the Shelby GT 500 Eleanor. And he gets in a Ford GT 500. He gets into the great movie car chase with all the cops. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. I know what we're watching tonight, but he gets in a car chase with all the cops. I love car chases. Sounds super realistic. Yeah. He's driving the, he's driving the, um, is it based on a true story? Shelby probably. Um, (laughs) and it's like, it's got like, I'd love to read the book. The mirrors knocked off. Like it's, it's all beat up and it's, you know, steaming and it's kind of got dents in it by the end. It's like, you know, been around the block. You know what I mean? It reminds me that one time you walked out of the hot tub and it was really cold out and you were steaming. Yeah. Same. I'm getting there, Alex. Okay. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's at the end, the guy's like, I said 50 cars, not 49 and a half. Just like that. Cause he's got an accent. Yeah. Great, great, uh, 
that was me Impression. though i was the like i was the car it was the i was eleanor like yeah i'm at the games yeah i'm fucking beautiful but like i'm tired <laughs> so what you're saying <laughs> is you want me to call you ellie i mean that could work actually <laughs> um just try to add a little color to your really exciting stories but already that exciting. like that car is not gonna go like into a car show right away and yeah. it would be ridiculous to expect that it's beat up give it a minute i didn't give myself a minute because all that expectation yeah yeah anyways um what were we saying oh it was running yeah we got back to running um and that's that's been great and then um yeah this weird plantar fasciitis heel thing pop up back in december and it's it's been quite persistent and I was making, so if you're unaware, I was, I have the goal for a sub 90 half marathon this year and was making strides towards that, just doing speed work, kind of building up my capacity there. And then went on a really long run through the snow one day and like just my foot's been messed up ever since. And I'm kind of doing what I can to, to manage it. My miles are a fraction of what they were um, back in the fall, but you know, it's, Live and learn. You're not going to do what you did with your elbow. No, I'm not. You And like, you can't run through it. It's not going to do any good. And I'm trying to like, but you could run through it. Oh, I could. Yeah. yeah 100%. Exactly. Like with the elbow. Yeah. But you know better now. I do. I've learned, um, you know, and for me, I don't have anything hard on my schedule and that helps, but it's also giving me a chance to kind of, you know, refocus on other things in the gym. It's okay. I can do a little bit more with the business right now. Cause I'm spending less time outside running. Um, you know, if it persists into the springtime, it's like, maybe I'll just be on my bike more. Like there are, there are other things and I'm, I'm, even though I can't, it, it might push this goal back. It might be that I don't, I can't get enough training in to do a sub 90 this year, but that's okay. Cause I can just, do it next year or the year after. Like it doesn't, there's nothing like urgent and it doesn't make me want to like stop. It just, it, I want to slow down and do things the right way so that eventually I can achieve this goal instead of either a, like doing bad damage to my foot and never being able to do it or like completely ceasing to do endurance work or run at all. Um, which would make sort of coming back, getting back to the point where I could do it even harder yeah um well that's it it's it is like it's not as simple as just like hey i'm gonna be okay with this and mm -hmm. like that's just gonna be my attitude like i definitely have days where like i see you take off out the door for a like a 20k and i'm bummed that i can't do that or even you know today we went for a short like an 8k and i find i'm finding running i'm very conscious of what i'm doing whereas like what i enjoy the most about running um, is the, you can kind of get into the flow and you can lose yourself a little bit. And it's, it's a really nice way to get your, just sort of check out for a little while and be outside. And when you're like, for me anyways, right now, I'm very aware of how I'm feeling and I'm very aware of my foot and it's just making me hyper aware of kind of my whole body, which is not an easy way to be when you're running. Yeah. And so I have to constantly be adjusting my expectations, even for how short runs are going to feel. Um, because I know that that's, this is just, this is my reality right now and it's all I can do. And you know, it sure beats the hell out of doing nothing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I have two stories. The whole the-, the whole theme of this podcast is Meredith's theories and my stories. <laughs> but when I and when I was 15, I injured my knee. I had torn my ACL, MCL, and meniscus skiing, and ouch. It kind of took me out for the whole season. And as I mentioned, like skiing was like so important to me and took me out for the whole season. was devastated. Um, but basically, as soon as I, I figured out like what the plan was going to be, I just dove straight into, after surgery, drove straight into physio. And that basically was my, my new sport. And the one thing that I, I took away from that experience um, and, you know, is something that I live by in my more recreational athletic career is I waited 11 months before I was back on snow. Um, and I came back on snow, like nothing had ever happened. I skied with a brace for a year and then got rid of it. And I didn't even really need the brace. Like I felt so strong. I could do anything with my bad knee that I could do with my good knee. Like I was 100%, probably even in better shape when I got back on snow. Um, a lot of my friends, cause that's a very, very common injury would come back to snow at like seven or eight months. Like they would be on snow when they couldn't even jump off the, a table. They'd be asking the surgeon, Hey, can I get back on snow? And he'd be like, jump off this examination table for me. And they'd be like, I, I can't. And she, mm-hmm. He's like, why do you, what do you think you can, you could go skiing then? Um, and so now like whenever I have an injury and even little niggly ones with, with running, or like back issues or hip issues with CrossFit. It's like, I go see a physio, I figure try to figure out what's going on and I stop what I'm doing because the last thing I want is not knowing what's going on and making it worse. And I think that that is a piece of advice that I would recommend for most people. Try to get an expert opinion on it as soon as possible and don't do anything until you know that you're not going to make it worse. Yeah. Um, and then it's amazing because once you do get the expert opinion on it, um, and you're like, okay, this is not going to do permanent damage. It does like, it'll bother you. And then eventually you wake up one day and you're like, huh, my shoulder hasn't hurt me in a while. Yeah. And it just goes away, but you have to, you have to make sure you're in the right spot to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's patience it goes back to patience. Um, and then I had another story, but I can't remember what it was hmm. about your knee or something else. It was something else. Okay. Injury related. Maybe. Well, if it comes to you, I'll jump back on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's, um, I guess, to, to bring it all kind of full circle. Um, you know, the the one, the, the good thing about injury, I think, is that it can highlight opportunity in other areas. And so that's... Um, I think something that happened for both of us and definitely something that happened for you last year with, um, with the open and semifinals and the injuries that you were dealing with that kind of ended your CrossFit season early is it's, you know, okay, you know, I'm not going to do competitive CrossFit this year, or maybe it's time for me to experience, like explore some other avenues. And so we did, you kind of, to go back to the nature article where you go back to this broad exploration of multiple modalities and sports and, um, avenues for fitness. Uh, and through doing that, you kind of found this renewed interest in distance running. And so, you know, there was that, there was, you know, you're going to run Chicago and then, you know, you happen to qualify for Boston and now you're running Boston in April. And so it was 
that little bit of, of going back and being broad and dabbling that allowed you to kind of exploit this new slash old, but new for you, um, avenue of, of, I won't even say competitive fitness cause it's not like you're breaking world records, but you know, a yet. relatively yet. elite yet, yet a relatively elite, um, runner, like definitely top 1% probably. Mm. Um, <laughs> please. I'm only saying that Too because I'm flattery. also the top 1% for half, but okay. we can say that. All right, Jewel. <clears throat> um, no, I looked that statistic up. It's an actual fact. Okay. Jewel did not. Um, yeah. So it's, again, it's like, you know, go broad and then go deep. And sometimes injuries and setbacks are a, a reminder and a good reason to step back and go, go broad again and just explore different and new things and maybe find something that you're a bit more interested in that more, solidly fits into your core values so for the record i'm still gonna listen to foolish games i don't have any doubt i would judge you if you did not like the album is great her on a podcast is not great yeah is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this up if you remember what you're going to say, we'll just put it on the next podcast. Okay. I can tell you're distraught that you forgot. You should write it down. There's paper right in front of you. We'll wait. We'll give it a moment. It's not coming to me. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I would oh. go back. No. I know. No, it's not there. <laughs> I would go back and. You know, I like, I like to leave. Here's the thing. If we treated this podcast like tv shows where at the end of each episode we leave the audience hanging then we would have even more listeners you mean like right now kidding (laughs) (laughs) that we are done um yeah but like if you want to hear my story you'll have to tune in to episode 58 maybe We'll sort out the episode thing. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, yeah, thanks for listening to us ramble. You have homework, and that includes <laughs> maybe the Jewel podcast. Don't listen to Jewel. does include Russell Brand. Yeah, give that one a listen. Yeah, that one's actually very interesting and um, worth your time. Just clear your schedule. And, um, yeah, if you or yourself or your friends, <sighs> if you or yourself – if you or your friends or someone you know is struggling with injury, um, give some thought to why that is. It was cool. It was kind of cool talking today about Meredith and I's I- injuries. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Me, me, I, I, me, I, me, me. It's all the same. Me, I. It's all the same to I. <laughs> Me was thinking I, that next uh, podcast I'm gonna I'm gonna enter like switch out interchange is that a word eyes with all my eyes with me's here's what me thinks um is it me is it here's what me think me thinks me think I don't know I don't even know how to screw Anyways, that up talk we'll to you later that. yeah okay <laughs> uh thank you for listening as always like subscribe share do your thing we'll talk to you again soon